0: Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God given destiny. Praise the Lord. Um, I want you to do something, not for me, okay? I want you to do it for the Lord. I want you to do it for others that are hurting. Uh, We failed to mention this morning, but I told my wife I, I just really feel impressed that we need to do something to help the folks in Houston and with this that have been hit so hard <sighs> and hit so hard with this storm i look at the pictures on tv and it just it just rips at my heart to think that there's so many people that have nothing to go back to and their lives have been so so harshly affected by this storm and the people in Texas, we got a couple of Texans here this morning, and they'll tell you they're very resilient folks. They are wonderful people. But you know, they're wonderful people everywhere, and they need help. They really do. And so what I want to ask you to do is, is to, as the service goes on, I want you to pray about what I can do to help the people in Texas. And we're going to set a basket on the corner back there, and we'll have some envelopes there if you want to receive credit for it through your giving, for tax purposes or whatever. Then we're going to set a basket back there. I want to encourage you to go by and leave an offering. And everything that comes in, we're going to send it through Samaritan's Purse to go. I think Samaritan's Purse is probably, I think, 90-some percent, almost almost 100% of everything we give goes directly to where it's needed and they were the first responders into texas and and i can't think of a better organization to give through and to give to than samaritan's purse and the convoy of hope and people like that that are there and it just blesses my heart to see on the ground god's people working and 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 helping folks put their lives back together if you have opportunity to go and be a part i know the the rowan county baptist men's association listen We are non-denominational. That doesn't mean a thing. If you want to go help, go join up with them and go. We bless you. We'll help you. Go. to. If you want to go and, 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 and if you can sling a hammer or run a saw or whatever you can do to help or sweep floors or dig or whatever God lays on your heart to do, I'm sure that they can use help. So, I encourage you to get involved and to go. And if I disappear for a few days, you'll know where I'm at. You know, I might be Texas bound. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but uh, I want to encourage you to get involved in that. But more importantly, I encourage you to give this morning. We can all do that. It doesn't matter how much. I mean, if all you got in your pocket is a quarter, be surprised how far a quarter can go when the Lord blesses it. So, um, I just encourage you to do that this morning. And, and we'll set a basket on the corner back there. We'll make sure that that's there for you as you are preparing to go this morning. And, uh, and if I get a little bit emotional this morning, I can't help it. You know, it just… Uh, It just really tugs at me to to see that, see what's going on. So, Father, again, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence here this morning. God, one thing that always crosses our minds when we see situations like this is what would Jesus do? And we know what he would do. He'd be right in the middle of it. Lord, you would be performing miracles and doing things, God, and touching the lives of people. Help us be your hands extended in this situation Father again we pray for the wonderful people in Texas and Louisiana and other parts that have been affected by this storm Lord and we thank you again for causing that storm to go back out to sea. the other one that's coming God it's been given a name but we know that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved and we know that that name reigns above every other name that name every name and every knee shall bow and give glory to God through Jesus Christ. So in the name of, that, of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we command that storm to die. We speak peace to the storm. And we thank you, Lord, that just as you spoke peace to the storm and the storm obeyed you. And the disciples marveled. Lord, we speak to that storm and we thank you that it has to obey. And we marvel at your works in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, my mother was a wonderful, wonderful person, and she had some little phrases that she would use sometimes, like if she really got upset with me, she'd say, I'm going to knock you winding. I never knew what that meant, but I could just imagine, you know, being, she would say other little things, you know. Uh, if a person was a little peculiar, she'd say, that's a choir person. I never knew what choir meant. I thought choir, you know, when the church we go to church and there was a choir, I would say, all those choir people over there. <laughs> but she she meant a little strange, you know. But one of the things she used to say that really stood out in my mind is I was thinking, my mother used to say, well, I do declare. <laughs> if somebody would say something, you know, with, with emphasis, she would say, oh, I do declare. I never really knew what that meant. I know it's just probably something that she just said. But when I began to think about it, the things that we say are declarations of the heart. Things that come out of our mouth are declarations of what's inside. We often don't think too much about the words that we let flow out of us. But let me tell you something. The word that comes out of us is a rhema. You know what a rhema is, don't you? A rhema is a revelation. It is a spoken word. It's a revelation. What the rhema is that comes out of us is a revelation of the heart. A revelation we get from the Father is a rhema that comes from God. is a revelation from God of his heart to us. But you think about that for a minute? Just let that kind of just circle around in your head till it finds a spot to land, okay? The word declare means to make known formally, officially, or explicitly. To make known as a determination. We make a declaration. The heavens declare the glory of God. They show forth. The firmament shows forth his handiwork. Look around you. That's God's declaration that he is who he says he is. Of his power and of his majesty. The heavens declare it. Proverbs 18.21 says. Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of it." Now, what does that mean? They that love it, what? The words that come out of our mouth, shall eat the fruit of it. We need to really think about that. We need to be very, very, very careful of the word that proceeds out of our mouth. We don't often think of words as a weapon, but in spiritual warfare, God's words in Scripture are described as the sword of the spirit which is the word of God so that tells us that words cut words can cut in a positive way and they can cut in a very negative way at home I like to when I cut something I've got a I've got a, a, a steel shaft thing like what do you call it one of those sharpeners you know and I will If I use a knife to cut a tomato or something, I like for that knife just to go right through that tomato, you know. So, I'll sharpen that thing up, and I'll cut the tomato, whatever I'm cutting. And as soon as I get done with it, you know what I do with it? I sharpen it again. But sometimes, I forget to put the knife back where it belongs, or I clean it up. So, my sweet little wife was cleaning it a couple weeks ago, and she reached her hand down into the sink. And she comes in, oh! can imagine what happened. She's bleeding because she touched that, that knife. Well, words that come out of, our, out of our mouth are sharper than any two-edged sword. Just the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and so, because we are represented as God himself, and Christ lives in us, we have powerful things at our disposal. Words are powerful. So, we have to be careful of the things that we declare. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 33, uh, Matthew 16:33, um, or 12:33, I'm sorry, Matthew 12:33. He says, "Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. What makes the fruit good? Or what makes it bad? Well, I'm going to tell you, because Jesus did. He said, "For the tree is known by its fruit, you brood of vipers, and which were the scribes and the Pharisees." He says, how can you, being evil, speak about what is good? For the mouth speaks of what fills the heart. The mouth speaks out of what fills the heart. Hang around somebody long enough, you will discover what type of person they are. The conversation will reveal it eventually. You might meet somebody and immediately you have a favorable response to them. But if you stay around them long enough, you may not. Or vice versa, you might meet somebody who talks very little. But the more you get to know them, you know that the reason they don't talk is they don't say anything until they got something good to say. They're very careful with the words that they speak. So Jesus said, the good man out of the good treasure, out of his good treasure brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of his his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. And I say to you that every careless word, that word careless there in the Greek is the word argon. Argon, A-R-G-O-N. It means useless, barren, Idle, slow, those words that we don't give heed to, that we don't think about, that we just throw out there. Those idle words that really don't mean anything. I didn't mean anything by it. Well, if it comes out of the heart, there's meaning to it. He said these things. He said... That we will give an account for. These are a rhema or a declaration. That word there, every idle word, that word is, guess what it is? Rhema. Rhema is what? A declaration or revelation. So, what do, I, what do I mean by that? A rhema coming from us? Yes. It is a revelation of what is in your heart. That's what Jesus said. He said, that men shall, every, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall render an account for in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Wow. We need to let that soak in just a minute. You know, when the, we don't need to like be like a torrent that comes and just washes away. We need to let it be like a soaking rain. And think about that for just a moment. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but rather what comes out of him. Why? Because it's the revelation of our heart, the words that we speak. Do the words that we speak, do they edify and build up? You know, it says in Ephesians, let no corrupt communication come forth out of your mouth. But that which uh, which is profitable, that which is good for edifying, that which builds up, that's what God wants to proceed out of our mouths. So what are you telling those around you? The words that you speak to your children, the words that you speak to your husband or your wife, the words you speak to your co-worker, the words you speak to anyone about anybody are either building up or tearing down. There are no neutral words that we speak. So we should give an account for every idle word. And by those words we'll be justified, or by those words we'll be condemned. Our words reveal the contents of our heart. That's why James warns us in James 1.19. This you know, my beloved brethren, let everyone be quick to hear, and slow to speak, and slow to anger. What happens when we speak in anger? We throw darts. We slice and dice when we're angry. We use words that we didn't intend to say, words that we didn't give thought to, words that just flowed out of our mouth, and they hurt. They hurt. They destroy. They demean. They demolish. They undermine. They do hurtful things to people. That's why James says be quick to hear. Listen to someone before you speak. Our problem so often is we get to run in our mouth and our ears shut down. And all we do is is spew things out of our heart that hurt. If we would take the time to listen, listen, rather than speak, I think it's Really interesting that God didn't give us two mouths and one ear, but rather gave us two ears and one mouth so that we can hear. These are our receptors. And be careful then, Jesus said, how you hear. Be careful how you hear. Be careful what you listen to, because what you listen to goes where? Where? It goes into our heart. And what goes into our heart is going to come out of our mouth. And that's going to show the defilement that is inside of us. It's going to be a rama. There's going to be a revelation of what's inside of us. Well, I'm preaching a whole lot better than your amen, and I'll tell you that. Such a powerful statement. Proverbs 27, 27 and 28 says, He who restrains his words has knowledge. You ever notice how we try to impress people with our words, our many words? And we think that if we've got all of these $100,000 words that we're going to impress people. I I do appreciate a good vocabulary. I was sitting on the couch a few weeks ago. My five-year-old grandson was sitting beside me watching television, watching a cartoon or something. And he is so dialed in on that thing. And, and, this, and these cartoon characters found themselves in a very difficult situation. And my little grandson looks up at me and he says, Papa, they've really gotten themselves into a very, uh, how did you say, precarious situation. And I'm like, what? A five-year-old. It just amazed me, number one, that he knew the word precarious. What amazed me most is he put it in the proper context. I'm like, you rock, kid. You're all right. But he was just sitting there, just so tuned into this thing. So, obviously, he's been listening a lot. So, he who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And I love verse 28. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is counted prudent. Think about that. I think it was Mark Twain that said... Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouth shut. They seem intelligent. And he says, oh, that's, that's in the New Living Translation. I want to give it to you out of another translation. Mark Twain said this. He says, it is better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's what he said. But the word says in the New Living Translation, that verse I just gave you, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouth shut. They seem intelligent. Well, that does make sense, don't it? There's a time to be silent, but there's also a time to speak. We need to pray, God, give us the wisdom to remain silent and the courage to speak when we need to. There are times we need to speak up. We don't need to remain silent. God's Word tells us, that the Word, His Word, is the sword of the Spirit. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes, there's that word again, that rhema, it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. You know, Jesus, when He was being tempted by Satan, In the wilderness. He went right to the word in response to every temptation that the enemy threw his way. What did he say? When the enemy says, if you will bow down and worship me, he said, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. What did Jesus say? It is written. When he tempted him to turn the stones into bread, Jesus said what? He said, it is written written. Every time he was tempted by the enemy, he said, it is written. You and I, when we are tempted by the enemy, we need to go to the Word of God where it is written as to what we should do because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It divides and cuts away the things that the enemy is trying to do us. It puts a barrier between us and the enemy. It insulates us from the things of the world. It gives us wisdom and understanding to know what to do. The Word of God is rich It is good. Everybody say, Good. Good. Or as Andy Griffith would say, Good. It's good. That's what God wants us to have is that good word within us. Our declarations cannot produce a win if they come forth from a heart of fear and frustration. Such statements as, like this I'm sick and tired. Well, I'm not sick and tired, I'm healed. I'm full of the energy, the ergon of God. i got work to do. I don't have time to be sick and tired. I'm sorry, enemy. I'm not going to play. I'm, I'm, I'm too busy for that. Or I'm so poor I can't pay attention. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? Repent. We are not poor. He became poor. That we might become rich in all things. We are rich. In him. We are sons of the Most High God. How much richer can we get? Everything that God has is at our disposal. Amen. Oh, I tell you what, that was a good shouting place right there. I mean, I don't know how y'all are still sitting. Wow. Wow. Or how about this one? The devil's been kicking my butt all week. What are you letting him do it for? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. He's giving you dominion and power and authority over the enemy because he has seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Therefore, the devil is under your feet. You have authority over him. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you and me through the power of the Holy Spirit. What are you letting the devil get on your butt for? Come on. The devil should let you sleep in in the mornings. It should make him tremble to think that you're getting out of bed. It must be so with my wife. <laughs> she's, she's not a morning person. She can sleep, brother, I'll tell you that which is good. I can't. I get up, you know. I, I'm he's the devil. He's, I hear him just messing around outside or something, so I get up, take him on. <laughs> These things that we say are declarations of the heart. They're self-defeating and unproductive. We need to change that. I love it. Holly had to leave they, their, their grandson's birthday is today, so they were having a little party for him. She had to leave. But all the time when I ask Holly how she's doing, every time I say, Holly, how are you doing? You know what she says? I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. And if you know Holly, you know a truth. She's speaking truth. That woman has overcome more stuff. I don't know of anybody, hardly, that in, my, in my life that has overcome more obstacles than Holly Burnside. I mean, she shouldn't even be here now, according to the doctors. But, you know, the doctors don't know everything. And they told her, what, 15 years ago, that unless she had a heart transplant, she wouldn't make it through the year. And she was only, her heart was only pumping at 5%. And God has touched her, and her heart pumps at about 40% now, which is good. I mean, that's, you know, I guess for a 70-year-old person, that's pretty average. But she's not there yet, but she's overcoming She's got challenges, don't get me wrong, but she's overcoming constantly. She presses through, and she's faithful. You'll see her here every Sunday morning, and and her husband has actually had to tell her, Holly, you need to stay home and rest, because she's determined. She's determined. She'll say, I'm overcoming. And I love that. I love it. But that's her declaration. I am overcoming. How is she overcoming? You know, it's not a flippant statement she's saying. She's saying... And she's declaring, by the power of God and by the power of his word, I'm overcoming. That's why I say this. I am blessed with the best and no stress and highly favored. Amen. You know, my brother used to say that, and it would kind of get under my skin. <laughs> it really would. Because I know my brother. I know the challenges he has and those things. And So I called him up one day, and he'd been outside working on a car or something, and pick it up, he picked up a trailer and when he did, something went out in his back. I called him up, said, "Hey, brother, how you doing?" I'm blessed with the best. I'm stressed. I'm favored. I'm like, you sound like you are. <laughs> I said, "Why don't you just be honest and upfront with me?" I am being. I said, "Well, Arnold, it's okay to say, you know, that you're having a bad day." I don't have bad days. Some days better than others. (laughs) I said, well, why do you keep saying that all the time? I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. That's all you ever say. He said, because I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. That's my confession. That's my declaration. So that's why he says it all the time. And I said, you know what? The Holy Spirit just rebuked me right then and there. I said, you know, brother, you're absolutely right. You are blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored, and so am I. So am I. I agree with you. I choose to be blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. It's a declaration of faith that we are making that we're not going to be defeated. We're not going to walk in poverty. We're not going to live in a world where where we're just beaten down all the time. We're blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. You know, when I started speaking that, things began to turn around. Amen. We are. I mean, I have people tell me all the time, Don Bess, God just, what is it with you, man? It seems like you just get blessed everywhere you go. I said, well, I am. I am. I'm blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. They don't quite get it at times, but it's true. It's true. It's a rhema. It's a rhema to me. It's a declaration that we make from the heart. You know, in Joshua chapter 6. We see Joshua, and they have crossed over the Jordan River. Now, the first obstacle they come to is a little city by the name of Jericho, and the Bible says it was shut up tight. Nobody could get in unless they wanted you to get in. I mean, it was a fortified city, and it was the first thing that they had to overcome. So Joshua says to the Lord, we need a battle plan, and God gave it to him. He says, here's what you are to do. He says, I want you to take the people. I want you to put the priest out front. I want you to put them out there with some with the shofar, to blow the shofar, and I want you to have the, the, the Levites to carry the Ark of the Covenant and we'll go behind them. Then I want the people to march behind them with the mighty men out front, and I want you you to walk around the city of Jericho and I want you to do it for six days in a row but I don't want you to say anything can you imagine for six days walking in total silence around this city that was a pretty good sized city I said I just want you to walk around it and can you imagine what's going on up top when all the the people of Jericho are looking down and they're probably making all kinds of lewd comments and 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 disparaging words to them and everything you can only imagine it's kind of like us when we walk around as as people of God and people just say you know why do you serve a God like yours why you uh, could stop sin and he could stop sickness and he could do all of these things if God is so powerful why this and why that how many have ever heard that and I imagine that's what they were hearing too if your God's so powerful why are you being so stupid why are you walking around this city. And they just blew the trumpets, and they just marched. You know, I think that's probably where when the saints go marching in was heard. First time, you know. That's the it was written. I don't know. They were blowing shofars, not those things. I'm just making it up as I go along. But they're walking around the city, and he says, do this for six days. Then on the seventh day, you should do something different. I want you to march around the city. How many times? Seven times. And, you know, I imagine those up on the top of the thing are really getting complacent. Boy, those guys are really nuts today, man. That's one, two. Hakim, how many times have they went around this thing? Five. And he said, on the seventh time, here's what I want you to do. When you marched around the seventh time, I want you to... Shout, I want you to declare, for I have given you the city. Yes. I want you to shout it. I want you to declare it. I've given you this city. Several years ago, it's probably been, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, the Lord laid it on Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy's heart. He was our youth pastor at the time, to march around Salisbury, North Carolina for six days. We did. What we did is we we had someone, I think it was Donovan Ham actually showed us where all the markers of the city are. There are still concrete markers that show the old bar- boundaries of the city. So we marked these things, and we ran around the city, and every one of those markers are covered with oil. I had some very expensive anointing oil. Thank you. About $60 a bottle. Fragrant, frankincense, and myrrh. And Jeremy was out there pouring it on this thing like Penn's oil. <laughs> you know, the. I'm just like, well, you know, Mary poured spikenard on Jesus' feet. I guess we can pour that. I don't know how many bottles we used, but we were around the city every day anointing those things, you know. Every one of them were covered with oil by the end of the week. And on the seventh day, we marched around the city seven times, and then we gave a shout at the end of it because the Lord has given us the city. God has given us the city. We made a declaration then. And I believe with all of my heart that God is still Faithful to his word because God is faithful and responds to faith. And we did it out of faith. And God has given us this city. So, therefore, when we can stand and prophesy, we can say to these dry bones, live. We mean that they live in Jesus' name. We're speaking life to the city. That's our declaration. He says, shout for God has given you this city. And it says, and when they did what Joshua commanded, the walls of the city fell flat. It doesn't mean they went out this way. It just means they went. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the faith of the people? When they saw God do that, it's like, you know, can you imagine the idiots on top of that wall when it happened? Can you imagine what happened to the people inside? They were already fearful of those crazy Israelites, and now they came in and they they just plundered the place. God has given us the victory in Salisbury, North Carolina. We think about Gideon in Judges chapter 7. And, you know, the process that God went through with Gideon when, when, when he saw 300,000 Midianites. 300,000. Come on, y'all. That's a lot of people. How big is Salisbury? The whole county is only 187,000. So, multiply it twice. You know, you think about that, 300,000 Midianites with their camels and everything else and the doll I don't know what all they had with them. But, but he sees these and, and, and God tells him, he sends an angel to Gideon, who, Gideon said he's the lowest of his family, which was the lowest of all the tribes of Israel, and he was the lowest of the low, so he's hiding out in a low place in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord comes to him. And the angel of the Lord makes a declaration over Gideon. And he you know what he says to him? He says, hey, mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, who are you talking to, Willis? <laughs> me? A mighty man of valor? You don't know me, dude. I mean, I'm so low. I am so low, I have to reach out to scrub a, a, a snake's belly. I mean, we're just low. He says, no. God has called you to be a deliverer. You're a mighty man of valor. And I want to say to you this morning, you are not what Satan says you are. You are who the Lord says you are. I declare to you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I declare that you have power and authority through the person of the Holy Spirit. You have power and authority through the Word of God. You are who God says you are wow so the process goes something like this so Gideon says well if I'm this mighty man of valor if I'm this deliverer how am I supposed to do it and God gives him a plan he says, well I want you to thin out your warriors a little bit he said how many you got he said well I got about 33,000 he says too many too he says well how am I supposed to thin them out he says well if there are any fearful among them any any of them that have you know a a penchant to stay at home or whatever let them go you know, this is, this is a volunteer army. So he says, if anybody is fearful, if you really don't want to go out and face them, and can you imagine, here you are, 30,000 strong, you look out and there's 300,000. And 20,000 of them said, my mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> so they went back home. Now he's got 10,000. He said, okay, Lord, we're ready to go. What do we do now with these 10,000 against that 300,000? Lord says, sorry, Gideon, still got too many. Boy, <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Well, how am I supposed to separate the men from the boys in this situation? He says, well, next time they go get a drink, he said, some of them are going to bend down and they're going to lap water like a dog and others are going to pick it up and put it in their mouth. He says, you know, they told them the process of elimination. So there were 300 that did it the right way, the way God wanted him to. So they have, now he's got 300, so he had to dismiss the other 9,700 to go home. So here's Gideon with 300. Now what's the battle plan, Lord? So the Lord showed him and gave him a plan. He says, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. So he, he went down to the dollar store and he got some of these little trumpets and he came back with these trumpets. And he put a trumpet in each one of their hands. And he says, now here's what I want you to do. He says, I've, I've given you a, a lantern. And he said, there's a candle inside this lantern, a torch, whatever, put inside. There's a light in it. He said, on my signal, I want every one of you to blow the trumpets. And I want you to throw those things down and break them. And I want you to shout for the Lord and for Gideon, for God has given us the victory. And so they did. <sighs> Can you imagine all of these armies gathered around their tents and everything, and they're all already afraid because the Lord has given somebody a dream of what they had saw. They saw this huge boulder coming down and demolishing everything. And they're like, this can't be nothing but an angel of God sending Gideon. They already heard about Gideon, and now they're already afraid. You know, fear is a powerful motivator in the wrong direction. But God used that against the Midianites. And so when they threw those things down, it caused such a commotion and they all shouted and they blew the trumpets. They probably thought that there was an army of a million of them coming. When they shouted out, you know, they said, For the Lord and for Gideon! And they come charging in. And when they get down there, guess what? Ain't nothing left but a bunch of dead bodies and footprints out of town, and camels going in that direction because God has already caused derision among them and separated them out. So, all they had to do was go down and, and plunder the stuff, gather up all the goodies. You see how God operates? That's what God does to our enemies, That's how God handles our situations. When we proclaim the Word of God out of our mouths, the sword of the Lord in your mouth, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. When we declare the Word of God over our families and over our situations, when we stand firm in His promises, God puts these declarations inside of us. And as we put it inside of our heart, guess where it's going to come out? It's going to be a revelation out of our mouth. We're going to begin to speak forth words of faith. Faith comes by and hearing by the Wow. Are we on to something here? No wonder James says, Be quick to hear. Process what you hear and then speak. As we're quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We learn to speak the word of God over situations rather than to allow our emotions take charge and point us in the wrong direction. God uses those moments and those situations to help us to control ourselves, and therefore we control our situations through the Word of God and through the declarations that God has given us. So God used it with, with Gideon. And then with the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul says, but thanks be to God in 2 Corinthians 2.14, uh, but thanks be to God who sometimes leads us to triumph in Christ. Is that what he says? always leads us to triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in some places, in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That's what we become as we are saturated with the Word of God and the presence of the Lord is inside of us and it comes forth in a sweet-smelling fragrance. The declarations of our mouth become words of life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And as we speak life, guess what we reap? We eat the fruit of it. We eat the fruit of it. We see the manifestation, the words of life that come out of our mouth. This is better preaching than your amen. I'm telling you, when we get a hold of this and we understand that God wants us to speak good of ourselves— Stop this stuff. Well, I'm just a old worm. I'm just a no-nothing. No, you're not. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a mighty man, a mighty woman of God. You are a saint of God. You are chosen by Him. You are loved by Him. Oh, good gracious. Do you believe that? You better believe it because the Word of God says so. The Word says that we already have things that we haven't even laid hold of. The promises of God, which in Him are always yes and amen. They're already ours. We just haven't claimed them yet. So we got a lot, a lot of claim tickets laying around at our house. We need to pick them up. We need to, need to begin to declare them. So What? Is actually a declaration a declaration of what is inside of us is it the word of God inside of us that's why we've got to fill the reservoirs of our minds and hearts with the word of God and as we declare it to others and they're touched with this life giving power and we become that sweet smelling of fragrance to, of Christ to those around us so we've got to declare victory in every situation overcoming Constantly. Listen. The word crisis. In the, in the Japanese vernacular, the word crisis, the word, what we translated Christless. You know what crisis means? Opportunity. Opportunity. So when we have those crisis moments in our lives, it's an opportunity for us to prove God's faithfulness. When things happen beyond our control and we don't know, we're just blindsided by something. That's how the devil operates, you know. He never hits us from the front. He always tries to hit us from the side when we're not expecting it. And we're hit with it. How do we handle it? We speak forth the Word of God. We speak it forth because it's already inside of us. It's already inside of us. Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And James said, anything that's not of faith is sin. Wow, think about that. So where does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when we put the Word of God inside of us, we don't sin against Him by speaking words of doubt and fear and unbelief. We make declarations that are true. Declarations like this. John 3, 3 says, you must be born again, I am. I am born again by the Word of God that He has planted in my heart, and by His Spirit, I'm a child of God. Say that with me, I'm a child of God. I've been born of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And understand this, that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. Who accuses you all the time? The devil, the enemy. He is the accuser of the brethren. Hallelujah. You will condemn him. Amen. Amen. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me. And guess who declares this? Declares The Lord. You like that? The Lord declares it. God's Word declares that we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon Him. And by His stripes you are healed. Amen. So if God says you are, then you are. We always ask the question, why has God healed me yet? Well, have you believed yet? Because His Word says you are. If His Word says you are, then you are. Amen? I are. You know, you know how I know I are? Because I were. First Peter 2.24 says He was that who Himself bore our sins in His own body on that tree. That we, that would be me and you, that we being dead to sins, I'm dead to sin. Amen? Are you dead to sin? Say, I'm dead to sins. And by whose stripes you were healed. So I are and I were. So that means I am. Amen? I believe that because he sent his word and he healed them. Who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if God said His Word, and Jesus is the Word, and whatever He says is truth, then I'm healed. Amen? Hallelujah. And God's Word says, as I give, I receive, and I will give generously and faithfully. I will declare that I am a prince and not a pauper. My Father is sufficient in all things, and if He is, then so am I. I declare that as I raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and train them up in the way that they should go, they will serve the Lord. I declare that I have made a decision as for me and my house. What is your declaration? We will serve the Lord. That's my declaration. Those are the things that we declare. When you get your husband up in the morning, declare unto him, you're a man of God. Remember that you're a man of God. Act like a man of God. Live as a man of God. And I'm going to pray for you as a man of God. And I'm going to love you as a man of God as you go out and you do what a man of God is called to do. And husbands, look at your wife and tell her, you are a woman of God. And I love you as a woman of God. And I accept you as a gift from God. And I will pray for you. And I will protect you. And I will love you. And I will care for you. As God enables me to. And over your children, tell them how special they are. You are a gift. You are the heritage of the Lord. I'm thankful for you, my child. I love you. You were lent to me, but I give you back to God. And I declare that you are a man or woman of God, that you will always be, that I will point to you. I will pour the Word of God into you. I will equip you. I will encourage you. I will strengthen you. I'll pray for you to ensure that you become that man or woman of God that He has called you to be. I will make that declaration. I declare it when I declare it, it is so. And be faithful as God is to hasten His Word to perform it. Watch over it. The words that you say are powerful. The declarations you make are powerful because they reveal what? What is in your heart. And God has made declarations over us which reveal what? What is in his heart. He has declared that I love you with an everlasting love. <laughs> Whew, that the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. And he will dance, he will rejoice over you with joy. Hallelujah. And when you go through the fire, guess what? You're not going to go alone. He's going to be there with you. When you go through the flood and the waters come against you, guess what? He hasn't left you. He's right there with you. And he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's what God declares over you. He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. God, we thank you this morning, Lord. I just want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to declare your love for him. Lord, I declare, I love you. I do declare, Lord, I love you with all my heart. Lord, I thank you. I declare, Lord, that you are in the midst of us, (laughs) that you rejoice over us with joy. You dance over us. Lord, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I declare that no harm shall come near my dwelling. I declare, Lord, as I, that as I, Lord, as I live in that secret place, as I dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, that you, Lord God, are, are my portion and my strength. Thank you, Lord. I declare, I declare that you're a strong tower. And Lord, when I need protection, I can run to you when I'm safe. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that I neither have to fear the arrow that flies in the darkness nor the sword that arises against me by day for you said Lord that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper Lord I thank you Father for the heritage that I have which is in you Lord God the heritage that you have given us we are servants we are your children we are your sons and we are your daughters and I declare Lord I am your son. For you, God, have spoken great mysteries. You, Lord, you've spoken over me. You called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. You pulled me out of the grave, out of death itself, and seated me in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.